Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. What a great story that is from Chronicles. What an amazing tale of bravado and daring do. The loyalty and love of his men demonstrated for David beyond peradventure in their daring, crazy, life-risking escapade. All done because the king happened to mention in passing, as it were, how much he longed for a long, cool drink of Bethlehem water. From that little well just there at the city opening. That special, you know the well, that one. Bethlehem now under enemy control. But how great, says David, just in the passing. There's nothing quite like Bethlehem water to quench a raging thirst. So cool, so clear, so refreshing. It's a a throwaway line. It's a a mere musing. But someone, his men are listening, and one of them has a bright idea. Right, lads, let's just do it. Let's just go tonight and snag the king some of that Bethlehem water that he fancies so much. Come on, lads. We can do it. He's worth it. King David. And so that night they do whatever they do to get ready for a, a raid. They enter the jaws of danger like SES raiders and return like special forces operatives proud and happy with their water skin full of that Bethlehem water that the king mentioned just in the passing filled to the brim there you are your majesty just like you, just like you said and David is Appalled and overcome. And instead of drinking it, he pours it out on the sand. He says, I can't drink this. He just can't do it. He can't disrespect their courage, their love, their generous devotion. No, instead, he dedicates the water to the Lord, now to him, holy water. Because of all that was involved, all that was risked, all the price they were prepared to pay. And he pours it out on the sand. My word, I wonder what those men thought. They were tough, hardened soldiers. They were men of action. I wonder if they were perhaps a little bit miffed. Having gone to all that trouble, he might as well drunk some of the stuff, for goodness sake. Polite version. But David sees beyond the thing, beyond the flask of water, to what it means. Beyond the physicality to the the spiritual dimension. There's something sacred about this water now. Made sacred by their devotion. Their love for him has filled this ordinary thing with significance. Transformed its ordinariness into sacredness too sacred now to be 
taken for granted, too holy to be dishonoured by not being acknowledged for the amazing story it tells, the gesture of love and devotion that it represented, the, the value within, as it were, the price that had been paid, the risks taken, too precious, too special, too wonderful, and David is humbled by their devotion. He hadn't realised he hadn't realised it meant so much to them. So what appeared on the surface to be just some water was much more. The value infusing it with meaning. The second story that we read this morning takes us into similar territory about value and price and cost and meaning and all of that. King David always wanted to be the guy who was going to build the temple in Jerusalem and make it a focal point of worship for the nation and for the world, in fact, a, a wonder of the world. He always wanted, that was his ambition, but it became clear that great soldier and strong monarch though he was, this would not be his calling. It would be Solomon, his son's job, to do that. That glorious temple where, where God would be worshipped properly. So David could help, he could set up the processes, he could put in place the, the systems and the structures and draw up the contracts and the connections by which all the resources needed to, to build this magnificent temple, this massive enterprise. They could all be put in place, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't build it. The incident we read this morning is about... A time when those preparations are getting underway and David is masterminding the import of trees from Lebanon and all sorts of materials and expertise. But in a preliminary act of devotion, at a time of national crisis, David plans to build an altar in the threshing place of Aruna, as instructed by God, where a preliminary offering could be made that would they believed, bring an end to the plague that was within the nation. And the owner, Aruna, offers the king the land for nothing. Free, gratis, and for nothing. A gift. You have it, your majesty. It's yours. Great, you would think. Result. We all like a bargain. Free. One of the best words in the English language. And that would have been the easy way. Thanks very much. But David is clear in his mind in a phrase that challenges the commitment and echoes down the centuries. David says, I will not give to the Lord that which cost me nothing. I'll give you 600 shekels. I'll pay the price. And it will have value then. If I just take it as a bargain off the rail, as it were, and it will be a, di a disrespectful and a cheap and an empty gesture. If he felt, oh, I dodged a bullet there. I managed to duck what being committed to God means. That's good. Then the whole gesture would have been empty of value and worth and point. When there is love, real love, there is no stopping to count the cost. There's no desire to get it on the cheap, do the least, get away with it, cut corners. Rather, there's an eagerness to, 
Do whatever it costs, whatever it takes to show that love. To give a true expression to the love that we feel. To mine the meaning of devotion, not skim across the surface. Not grab some last minute bargain on the bargain basement of belonging. When I was a teenager, I was very impressed by an advertisement that was on in the cinemas at the time for engagement rings. And it showed a young man polishing up his Volkswagen Beetle, all painted in psychedelic colours the way they did in the 60s. Oh, he, he, he loved it. Oh, it's pride and joy. Then he met a girl and fell in love. And the next bit is he's looking in the window at the engagement rings. They're all very expensive and he's... Then he looks at his car, and he looks at the engagement rings, and then the next scene is, the car's for sale, he's got the money, he's buying the engagement ring, he's giving it to the girl, because he loves her, and he wants her to have the best that he can give, not the cheapest thing he can give her, but the best thing, and although it costs him to give up his lovely car, as a gesture of love, it's the right thing for him to do. And that way of measuring the true character of devotion has nothing to do with price, it's to do with the value of the love. We read about the famous widow with her might, her few pennies dropped into the treasury, and that's a story that has been consistently and conveniently misunderstood. For it's not the smallness of her offering that is the focus. But the hugeness of it, the utter dedication, the undergirded and inspired, this costly, costly dedication that she shows, we do her a grave disservice if we emphasize how small her gift was. The Bible says she gave all she had. Because her love for God was deep and true. And if all she had was very little, it was still all she had. No holding back, no half-hearted grudging spirit. David knew the value of committed love for God. And he was more than prepared to meet the price of that, whatever that might be, and embrace the inevitable cost of it. Value and price. This is what the sacraments teach us. The sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion invite us to understand. Simple things, water, bread, wine, couldn't be simpler. Made holy because of what they mean, what they stand for, what they tell us. They point beyond their ordinariness to the extraordinary love of God for us. Everyday things become sacred could hardly be more sacred because they remind us, they invite us to see a love so deep, so amazing, so utterly giving that flesh will be taken and the River Jordan will be embraced and crosses will be carried for no other reason than love for us. That's what we're worth to him. That's the value he places on each one of us. And if that's the price he must pay, then pay it he will. We should never be in any doubt, whatever the world might say, 
Whatever the world might say, we should be in no doubt as to our worth in the eyes of God. Let the water of baptism remind you how special you are. He knows your name. When we take bread and wine, be filled with wonder. Shake your head in wonder. Stand tall with humble pride that our Father in heaven thinks we are worth broken bread and poured out wine. For it turned out there was no easy way to make things right. There was no bargain rail religion for God. Whatever it took, wherever he had to go, and it meant he had to go here, come here. It meant he had to go there to Calvary. And he did that for love of you and for love of me. So let's stand tall and give thanks. For this is the gospel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take a moment or two to let these thoughts filter in our mind. Think what they might mean for us. What they tell us.